Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I have always wanted to help the audience take their soul to the next level, so I've partnered with Mind Valley and other amazing free courses on spirituality, mind, body, soul, longevity, wealth, and so much more. All you need to do is go to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of this show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Now, have you ever wondered how people can talk to their loved ones on the other side? Well, today's guest is Louise Hamlin, and Louise's story and how she is able to communicate or was able to communicate with her husband who had passed is remarkable and honestly one of a kind. It, this this episode is going to give you goosebumps, so let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show Louise Hamlin. How are you doing, Louise? I'm doing very well, Alex, and I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much for coming on the show. We're here to talk about your remarkable book, What What's App from Heaven, <laughs> which is a great title, by the way. Uh, and it's um it's such a beautiful and and it's it's a beautiful story. Uh it's a heartbreaking story. There's it has a little bit of everything in it. And we're here to talk about um your late husband Patrick and how he's been able to Talk, you know, communicate with you and all that. But before we get started, can you tell me the story of you and Patrick prior to his passing? Certainly. Well, we met in 2005 and we were both middle-aged. We were both divorced and it was extraordinary. We just met and fell in love and um I was incredibly happy. We we got married and we had an idyllic life. He was a lawyer. He was a barrister. Um, I had been a lawyer. Um, I became a potter and we lived in the countryside. And, you know, I just thought the day we got married that it was going to be a happy ever after story. So then very suddenly in the autumn of 2018, he had some funny symptoms, went to the doctor. He had stage four bile duct cancer. <sighs> we had no idea. And within three months, he was dead. And he'd always been a very strong and vigorous man. He was 71. So, you know, no Young great man. age. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And it was the most horrific and terrible shock um so yeah i i felt quite distraught right um well let me ask it you, happens yeah well, yeah well it happens to all of us uh, yes. and it will eventually um but let me ask you were you a very spiritual person prior to his passing no not particularly um we well both i think agnostic we would go to church sometimes we like to support the local church but okay. there was a lot of about the christian theology that we didn't really believe mm. and 
And we talked about it before he died, but when we knew he was dying, we talked about whether there would be an afterlife or not. And he said that he didn't think there would be one. He thought that death would be just absolute annihilation. And he said, that's nothing to worry about because, you know, nothing is nothing to worry about. Um, but he did say, I suppose it's possible that our spirits survive. He thought it was unlikely, but possible. And I think I felt the same. Even during even during that process. So when you were having those those final days conversations, I'd imagine that I'd imagine even at that point, he still was just like, maybe, maybe not kind of attitude about it. He goes, but probably not. It's, it's his energy. Yes, that was it. That was it. Exactly. He thought it was very unlikely that there was any life after death. And. You know, he, he said several times that he wasn't scared of death because he thought it would probably be nothing. He was scared of dying. He was scared of the pain uh, and the whole process of dying. But death, no, no, that would be nothing at all. So once he passed, um, how did you begin to cope with that kind of grief uh, for people listening who might be going through the same thing? Alex, I was completely and utterly shattered. I would very happily have died with him. I felt that my whole world had dissolved. I I was incapable of doing anything for a long time. It it was all I could manage just to wake up in the morning and clean my teeth. I felt as if I had this huge lake of grief inside me, and I felt as though I was an amorphous blob without boundaries. It it was ghastly. It was really, really difficult. Um, and I found several things helped me. I realized that I couldn't think back, because if I remembered i remembered what i had lost which i found unnaturally painful i couldn't look forward because the idea of a future without patrick was again utterly painful and so i came to the conclusion that i just had to live in the moment which is what i did and of course you know lots of people tell you that you should live in the moment and it can be difficult to do but because I was just so traumatized, really, by what had happened, I found I could just live in the moment. And I would just cut the day up into little segments and think, OK, I've just got to live until lunchtime. I've just got to concentrate on what I'm doing until lunchtime. And then, OK, I've just got to survive this afternoon. And just thinking like that and just thinking in very small segments of time really helped now, um, when did you start getting the first signs from Patrick? Well, to start with, I wasn't getting signs, but my friends started getting signs. <laughs> he was te- and- he was testing it out before he brought it brought it onto the main show, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, actually, do you know what I think? Yeah. I think looking back, 
that I was just so submerged in my grief that I yeah. wasn't I wasn't able to receive anything. Um, but a friend of ours who is a bit psychic, she got quite an extraordinary sign within five days of his passing. And she, she'd she been very fond of Patrick. And um, she asked the universe one, one morning um, to let Patrick send her a sign. And she asked to see a flame. Um, she said, not in a fireplace or a candle, but I would like to see a flame. I'd like to see a flame today. She then went about her business and forgot about it. Um, and that evening she went to draw her curtains at night and there was a tall, thin flame coming from the neighbor's garden. She rushed and she got her phone, she took a photograph of it and then the flame disappeared. And she sent me the photograph and she said, Louise, you know, I don't know whether I should tell you this or not, but... I asked Patrick for a sign to tell me that he was okay. I asked for a flame and look what I've just seen. I've taken a photograph of it and here it is. And she said, it could be a coincidence, but I don't believe in coincidences. And the thing was, Alex, I wanted to believe that it was Patrick saying that he was okay, but I did believe in coincidences. So... You know, I just thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a hard customer. You're a hard customer, basically, is what you're saying. You're like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take more than just a flame to break through this wall that I've put up. Yeah, yeah. I've been a lawyer, for goodness sake. You know, <laughs> you, you, you could argue your way out of anything, is basically what you're saying. You're like, <laughs> flame, no, yeah, I, got, I got five points on why that's a coincidence. <laughs> we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. I know, I know. And and coincidences continued to stack up. They really did. Uh, you know, and, and friends had feathers and friends had lights going on and off all the while while they were thinking of Patrick. Um, and I wasn't getting anything. And then eventually... I decided that I would ask for a feather on a train because I was getting a train the next day. And I knew that you know, all these things had been happening to my friends and they'd been contacting me saying, you know, I think I've had a message from Patrick. So I asked for this feather on a train and the next day I got on the train and the compartment was quite crowded. Um, but I saw a couple of empty seats just at the far end. So I rushed and, and sat down, very pleased to have a seat. And I glanced at the seat next to me, and there was a little feather. Now, it didn't convince me. I thought it's still, it's, it's still, like, oh, another feather. Yeah, well, you know, what are the chances? I know, I know, exactly. And, and so it carried on. And then I started getting the WhatsApps. And for people who don't know, WhatsApp is, um, it's a sort of texting app. It's like a texting it's, phone app for the world, essentially. Yes, exactly. And it's used a lot in the UK. Mm -hmm. So I think it's probably people's um, preferred method of sending a text. And you can create what are called WhatsApp groups. And you and 
you have a group and then you can post on the group and everybody in the group sees the text. So anyway, um, yeah, I started getting these WhatsApps. From, from who? Well, what happened was one day I left my phone in the kitchen and I went out and the house was empty and locked and silent. There's no radio on or anything like that. And when I returned home and went into the kitchen, there was a whole lot of gibberish in the message box ready to send to somebody called Maria by WhatsApp. So my phone had somehow opened itself onto the WhatsApp, had opened itself onto Maria's thread, and the message box was was full of lots and lots and lots of words. Now, some were proper words, some were not proper words, and I couldn't make any sense of it at all, and nor could I make any sense of how it had arrived on my phone. So you know, I looked at this, and I was really quite puzzled, and I wondered whether to delete it. And then I thought, hmm, I'll send it to Maria, because Maria is a medium and I had been to see her a little while before um, and she had been a sort of portal if you like I had had communications from Patrick via her mediumship so I sent it to her and they said Maria I found this on my phone and I can't think how it got there and what do you think and she looked at it and she replied Louise, I have no idea. Then the next day, I got a message from her saying, Hey, Louise, look what I have found on my phone, ready to send to you. And it was a, a shorter paragraph. Some of the words were gibberish, but three times in the paragraph, it said, Darling, it's me. And it also said, Valentine's Day 2019. And it also said, Lilies. And Maria said, I think this must be from Patrick. And I thought, well, yes. And I mean, he called me darling. And it was just really weird seeing this message with darling it's me i mean it did give me goosebumps and the messages carried on and they contained sort of information that made sense to me um but wouldn't have made sense to maria so i was i was thinking well maybe patrick can manipulate whatsapp and it did seem extraordinary. But, of course, there was a tiny bit of me which thought, nah. maybe Maria, no, nah, no. Nah. <laughs> and maybe Maria is, is making all this up. And I couldn't see any reason why she should have done. And actually, she was a really nice, sensible, down-to-earth, 
mum and wife, and she didn't do her mediumship for a living. She just did it for friends and friends of friends. Um, and she didn't she didn't charge much at all. It was for pennies, you know. Well, let me uh, let me ask you. I want to go back for a second. Uh, you when you decided to go because we kind of like skipped over the part where you went to a medium. So you were you went from a place of like there's just these are a bunch of coincidences to the place where you're like. I need to go to a medium jumping from a place of non-belief to jumping to going to see a medium. What was that decision process? What drove you to search out a medium, even if it was a friend of the family? Like what drove you at that point? Because a lot of people are in that same space right now who are listening to this, who just don't believe, but there was something that just tipped you over. Finally broke through the cracked through the wall a bit. What was that? I, I don't know that it tipped me over finally. The thing is, after he died, I was I was desperate to know that he was all right. Okay. And and okay. Most of me thought that he no longer was in any sort of existence. But a bit of me hoped that he was in existence. And if he was in existence, then I was desperate to know that he was all right. I was very worried about him. So I went to a medium, and the first medium I went to just didn't connect with him at all. And she ended up getting a bit ratty with me because I kept on saying, no, that doesn't make sense. No, that doesn't sound like him. No, no. But what I did was I decided to try another medium. And I would advise any listeners who've had an unsatisfactory experience with the first medium just to try someone else. I think it is horses for courses. And the second medium blew my mind. Um, I phoned her up. I found her on the internet. I phoned her up. I said, hi, my name's Louise, and I would like to meet you because I want to see if I can make contact with my husband, Patrick. And she said, okay, when did he die? And I said, in February. She said, oh, that might be a bit soon. But, um, oh, he died in the middle of February, didn't he? And I said, yes. And she said, oh, he died on February the 16th, didn't he? And I said, no. I said, he lost consciousness on the 16th, but he actually died on the 18th. You know, for 48 hours, he was in a coma. And she said, and she didn't know me from Adam. She just knew my name and his name. She said, oh, well, he's telling me he died on the 16th. That's what I'm going to write down. And I thought, my goodness me, because I can see why he thought he died on the 16th. And, you know, there are 28 days in February, and she had homed in with no prior knowledge to the day he'd lost consciousness. So I went to see her the following week, and there were lots of things that she said that were extraordinary. But I think that psychologists call it cognitive dissonance, when you have two conflicting ideas in your mind at the same time, and you sort of believe both of them. Right. And, you know... You know, and so I sort of believed the mediums, but I also believed that you know his spirit hadn't survived. 
it's do you think that was because of just a a defense mechanism i guess on both sides your brain's trying to protect you on both sides it wants to have its cake and eat it too kind of situation we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor and now back to the show you know i hadn't thought of that and I think you're probably right, because I was desperate to think that he did still survive. but And I was really, really terrified of being disappointed. And so, and so I, yeah, I didn't really quite want to believe because then I could have been disappointed. So your brain was protecting itself. It was trying to protect yeah. you essentially in so many ways. That's what the brain does. But it's it's fast, it's just fascinating because you like at the same, I believe the mediums, but like, ah, eh, just in case this medium thing doesn't work out, I got this other belief that will hold me together. Because if you went in yes. on if you went on if you went hundred percent on either of them, you're betting the farm. At least you have a 50-50 chance. So at least either way, you've got something to hold on to to continue to move forward. It's it's, it's a really interesting psychological thing that the brain is doing to you. So, so you went to that medium and, and then Maria was what, a few mediums after that? Uh, yeah, I think, I think all in all, I went to probably five mediums of, of whom three were great and two were not so great. But I mean, the ones who were great were extraordinary. I mean, this first medium I went to, she said, um, she described Patrick. She said, oh, he's standing here. And she described what he looked like. She described his character to a T perfectly. And then she said, why is he showing me a cornflower? And it wasn't any old flower. She said, a cornflower. And in fact, when Patrick and I had got married, that had been our wedding flower. He had worn a cornflower in his buttonhole. And how on earth did she know that a cornflower was very special to us and really had great emotional importance. And then she said, oh, he's looking, he's pointing to his feet and he's wearing slippers and he's laughing. Why is he laughing? And why is he pointing to his slippers? And that made sense as well, because the funeral director had asked for some clothes to put on the body in the coffin. And I thought, what shall I send? And I thought he was happiest when he was outside working in the country. So I sent his 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 country clothes, his outside country clothes. But then I looked at his boots and I thought, oh, they'd be very heavy on his feet. So I sent his outdoor country clothes and his slippers. So it, it was an odd combination. Mm-hmm. And I could see why he laughed. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So there was, it's, it's just such a fascinating story because it's, it's a story of someone who didn't have any sort of belief, hadn't drank the Kool-Aid, if you will, on this kind of stuff prior. Someone with a very analytical mind, a lawyer's mind, no less, which is even more analytical than, you know, you're, you're in the engineering and scientific world of people who can talk their some talk their way out of something if they don't want if they want to, and slowly but surely. So, at what point did you start to feel 
that he was that this was real. I mean, after that, well, was it after the first Alex, medium? No, Alex, I can absolutely pinpoint that point, and it was on the sixth of August, and I'd been having these WhatsApps via Maria, and so you know I wanted to believe, but was a tiny bit suspicious still. I was out walking my dog on Tooting Common in London, and I had the phone in my pocket. And when I got back, I was staying with my son, I pulled the phone out of my pocket, and it told me that I had created two WhatsApp groups at six minutes past 11 that morning, one consisting of Patrick and me, one consisting of Patrick, his daughter, and me. And it's quite complicated to create a WhatsApp group. One was called Hamlin's, one was called Hamlin Family. And I stared at the screen because I knew that at six minutes past 11, the phone had been in my pocket. I had not created the groups. To be frank, at the time, I didn't even know how to create a group. And I stared and I stared and I thought, oh, my goodness me, it's Patrick. It must be Patrick who's done it. And I told my son, who is a lawyer and um, in central London, and he spent a long time trying to work out how it could have happened without a supernatural element. And eventually he said, do you know what, Mum? It must have been Patrick. There's no other way it could have happened. And it was seeing those WhatsApp groups that made me realise that Patrick was somehow manipulating WhatsApp and was able to use it to communicate. And his daughters, um, she received this notification that I had created this group of her, her father and me. And she contacted me and said, Louise, yeah, why have you created this group? And um, I said, do you know what? I didn't. I promise you I didn't. And I explained what had happened. And it was her birthday that day. And mm. I see it as Patrick sending his daughter a birthday present to say, darling, I'm still around. God, what did you feel like when you finally, when you finally went all in on this belief that you're like, oh, he is here. Like, what were the feelings that were going through you? What was the, I just, I'm just curious because to not believe and to maybe have one foot in, one foot out to all of a sudden go, oh my God, this is real. How did that make you feel? Oh, Alex, I cannot tell you how consoling it was. Um, I, it helped me such a lot. It was so consoling to think that Patrick's spirit was still around and I he hadn't been totally lost to the world and he wasn't totally lost to me and he was still communicating with me. It just made me feel so much better. It really did. And I'm and there's a there's a chapter in your book called the cheap the cheap trick. Can you tell everybody the cheap trick? What the cheap trick was that Patrick played on you? Well, well, 
the um is that are you referring to the the music i think so uh, yes 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 because again that was the friend who'd seen the flame and she was driving home from patrick's funeral um and she had the radio on and she thought i'll ask patrick for another sign and she asked to hear i want you to want me by cheap trick on the radio and she chose that because it's a, a song from the 1980s it's a mm -hmm. song that she liked but she had never heard it on uk radio and anyway she drove home and the song didn't appear and you know when she got home she turned off the radio the next morning she went to the railway station to collect her parents who were coming to stay and she was standing on the platform waiting for the train to come in and suddenly over the tannoy guess what they played <laughs> and i is it was quite extraordinary it really was that's remarkable how often do these how often did those signs come and are they still coming um they they came pretty frequently for the first year less frequently for the second year and i haven't had a sign for some time now um as i see it he gave me several signs which were absolutely extraordinary and amazing um and left me in no doubt at all but that he was around and trying to send me love. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Um, and I expect it was really quite tricky for him. And I think that there came a point when he thought, okay, Louise now is in a much better place herself. And she knows that I'm still around, so now I can go and do other things. That's that's how I see it, anyway. <laughs> to go off into the to the resort that is heaven and <laughs> enjoy what he's got to go there now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, he got me. He got me through those first two years. He really did. Well, I mean, I think also at a certain point, if these signs kept coming every day, then the life would be about these signs. It would be a life about about this, and it wouldn't be as much you living your your life. It would be a, about this thing. So I, from my point of view, at least, it sounds like it kind of has to wean you off of it a little bit because it's almost kind of like, you know, kind of a, a really reassuring thing that you have to kind because if you if you, you become addicted to it like oh god patrick hasn't hit me up today he hasn't what he hasn't whatsapped me today he hasn't mm -hmm. sent me a text today at a certain point you have to kind of like wean you off of it so then you can you're like look you know i'm okay i'm here with you move on and live live your life essentially do you know i think that that is exactly what ha happened i really do and i mean he sent me one sign in particular, which I found very, very moving. I was playing cards with three friends. We were playing a game called Bridge. And you have two packs of cards in Bridge. And you 
play alternate hands with the alternate packs. So we played a hand with the red cards. Then we played with the blue cards. Then we played with the red cards again. And the person dealing the red cards was a card short at the end. So we assumed she'd misdealt and, you know, we counted our cards. But no, she hadn't misdealt. So we thought, oh, well, the card must somehow have fallen from the table. So, you know, we looked for the card on the floor. No card. So this was a bit strange. So we stood up and looked for the card, see if we were sitting on it or it was on our lap. No card. Well, we became more and more determined to find this card and we could not find it anywhere. And in the end, one of my friends said, it's probably Patrick. I expect it's a heart. So we looked to see which card it was. And it was the nine of hearts. So they said to me, does that mean anything to you? I said, well, no. I mean, that seems quite random. I mean, the ace of hearts or the queen of hearts. Yeah, but the nine of hearts. Anyway, the card did not turn up. Two or three days later, I was telling a friend about this. This friend does tarot. And she said, oh, Louise, the nine of hearts, it's like the nine of cups. And what that represents is deep and abiding and eternal and wonderful love. And, you know, I thought, yeah, that's what I thought as well. And I, I needed those boosts at the time. And actually, I don't need them now. Because I, I can just I just feel loved inside by Patrick and now I'm able to live a new life. Do you did you ever see Patrick in dreams or in a meditation if you meditate? Yeah, I do meditate and I actually found meditation was really helpful when I was totally grief stricken. It was the only thing that could calm the churning inside. And mm-hmm. Yes, I have had two or three dreams where Patrick has appeared very vividly. Um, And I think that quite a lot of people find that they have dreams. Some of these dreams can be consoling. Some can be distressing. In one of the dreams, there was Patrick, but I couldn't reach him. But then in another dream, there I was with him and I can remember waking up and just feeling so happy and so blissful and then of course I realized that it'd been a dream and so you know that was a bit of a a downer downer. (laughs) a letdown if you will (laughs) yeah yeah so let me ask you and I think I know the answer but I'm gonna ask you anyway do you fear death anymore absolutely not Absolutely not. With enthusiasm, she says it. I yeah. love it. And, <laughs> and you know, it's it's nearly four years now since he died. And the first two years were very hard. And my grief for Patrick is is part of who I am. So I don't think you ever stop grieving, but it just becomes part of who you are. And you find that you can create a new life and enjoy your new life. You can be happy again, which I didn't think I would ever be. Um, 
and you just carry the sorrow within you as as part of as part of you um and i i want to say that because i know that when you are first bereaved you cannot imagine that you will ever ever be happy again but actually you, you can be you will be you lead a different life not the life you wanted but you can create something new now when did you get the idea to write what's apps from heaven because i mean there's one thing to have this story amongst your friends and family but you decided to go public with this and i also have to imagine as a former attorney you know colleagues and friends who weren't uh, privy to this information might have looked at you a little bit differently now after this book came out as well oh, so oh, they, they totally totally do and i mean <laughs> i did realize that i was putting my head above the parapet do you know i i suddenly woke up it um it was january the 1st i think and i suddenly thought i want to write this down it was almost as if patrick was telling me to write it down and it it just flowed. I just found that I could write it very easily because I wanted the world to know that there is spirit survival after death. And I would love it to become part of normal general discourse. Right. And also what I discovered was that when I talked to other bereaved people, if I were to say, and have you had any signs? Most of them would then say, yes, I have, or I think I had, but I've never told anybody because I didn't want to be thought crazy. And this, this response just happened again and again. And so I wanted to write the book so that people who were bereaved and who thought maybe, maybe they've had signs, but you know, could have could have that experience validated. Could know that, yeah, actually, you can get signs. You, if I may share a sign with you that I had, uh, I actually had a an aunt of mine uh, was who I was semi close to, but I loved her dearly, and she passed. And two or three days after she passed. I was looking through old VHSs, stacks and stacks of them. I was doing a project and I put one of these VHSs in and lo, as I'm fast forwarding, lo and behold, I found a two minute video that I took in high school or in, like in college of a Thanksgiving dinner with her and my entire family. And I had forgotten I'd even shot it. It hadn't seen the light of day in 30 years. And two, how lovely! Two, and then I, I, I filmed it with my iPhone. I sent it to all my family members, and everybody. I mean, it was literally two days after. Like I'm like, talk about coincidence. Yeah, <laughs> it was just like so amazing that that's the way it kind of came through. Um, it, it, your story is so remarkable, and I and I do appreciate you uh, not only sharing it here, but having the bravery to to write it down. And as you said, poke your head up above, <laughs> you know, in the line of fire, if you will, uh, to put this out into the world to help to help other people uh, going through this. And, and another question I have for you is for uh, what would you say to anyone who has lost someone 
in this in their life and is moving through the grief right now. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Well, I found that living in the moment helped. I found that meditation helped. I found that slowly, slowly, with time, I did begin to heal a little bit. And I... I think that you just have to experience the grief. I don't think it's a good idea to try and shut it away and mm. to try and carry on as normal because then I think you're just um, bottling up emotions and they'll come and bite you in the future. So I think mm. experience the grief and know that it's it, it's not a medical condition. It's a natural a natural emotional response. And do you know, the more you grieve, then in a way it means the more you loved the person and so weren't you lucky to have that love? But just know that with time, it does get better. It really does. And I wrote about what I did and 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 how I navigated my way through other people might find different things help, but I thought that it would be useful to people who are bereaved to know what my experience was. Because so many books about bereavement, they're written by sort of so-called experts who write about it from the outside in. Um, and I wanted to write the, the book that I would have liked to read, which was a book of somebody's personal experience and to, to learn how they had navigated their way through, and to know that by the end of the process, they were in a better place. That's beautiful, Louisa. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to ask you a few questions I ask all of my guests. What is your definition of living a good life? Uh, being kind. Um, I think kindness I think kindness and love are the two most important things. And I think that if you are kind and if you are loving, then you reap that back tenfold. What is your definition of God? I don't know. Good answer. I just, I just don't know, Alex. I really don't. With all of this new experience, with spirituality and with Patrick's signs and everything, have you delved deeper into spirituality because of this? Yes. And I've also delved into quantum physics, trying yeah. to make sense of all this life. And all I can say is I have discovered that life is incredibly complex and extraordinary and things that we think are totally impossible happen on a quantum level which means that the impossible can happen and does happen and the fact that we think these things are impossible 
says more about our blinkered vision or understanding than about anything else. And last question, um, what is the ultimate purpose of life? I don't know, but I do know that if you are kind, if you love, if you try and be there for others and help others and give generously, you lead a life which is worth living. Whether that is its purpose or not, I don't know. I mean, there is this theory, isn't there, that the purpose of life is for us to experience a whole range of emotions and experiences. And um, maybe that is the case. I don't know. And where can people find out more about you and where can they purchase WhatsApp from heaven? Well, um, I have a website, which is louisehamlin.com. And you can order the book from Amazon, from Barnes & Noble, or, well, any bookshop, really. And I wrote the book for the bereaved, for people who want to help the bereaved, because I talk about what helped and what didn't help, and also for people who are interested in the possibility or probability of life after death. And do you have any final words for our audience? I can only say that having experienced what I experienced, which was totally against all my previous beliefs, we do survive death. Our spirits survive. And I think that's consoling for all of us so if we've made wrong choices if our lives have not been as successful or happy as we would have liked i think that we've got to realize we can realize that our life on this earth in our physical body is only a small part of our eternal life and that helps put things in perspective, I think. I think a little bit. Less, you, you don't sweat the small stuff nearly as much. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's absolutely true. Louise, thank you so much for coming on the show. And thank you for putting this out into the world. And I hope this conversation helps a lot of people out there who might be going through what you were going through. And I, I appreciate you, my dear. Thank you so much. Thank you, Alex. <sighs> I want to thank Louise so much for coming on the show and sharing her story with all of us. Thank you, Louise. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 195. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.